If you're a woman leader, possibly experiencing a transition, a promotion, job change, even a personal one like a divorce, and you want to increase your influence, your sense of empowerment, join us for our signature Find Your Mojo in Montana, four-day, three-night, all-inclusive workshop. Hi, this is Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we are going to, well, I'm going to interview Susan because Susan has just finished a seven-week process in her continued development and education in, in Equus Coaching, which you've been doing now for over a decade. But Susan, I have to say, you just love learning. Is this true? I do. I do. I love, and and this particular program too, I I love learning in this way because it's bringing all the things that I learned from therapy, from coaching, from Equus work together in some integrated ways, which I find really exciting. Yeah. But before we dive into me talking about the class, I know you want to say a little bit more in case somebody doesn't know what Equus coaching is. Yes. For those of you that have never heard of it, Equus is meaning horse. And Equus Coaching is a client is out in a round pin with a horse. Susan, you're on the sidelines coaching them. Sometimes you go out there with them, but it's all on the ground, no riding involved, no reins involved. And really the learning comes through the client developing a relationship with the horse and all the things that go on in that relationship, those relationship dynamics mirror how that client is developing relationships at work or with their spouse or whatever situation is coming up for them. Tell me where I'm wrong. Well, mirrors may be a good word for it, I think, but it's also just, you know, the dynamics show up that show up in relationship. And the beauty of it is horses are not trying to kind of tell you a story or be polite or nice or any of that. Or even mean, right? No, (laughs) the horse is just being the horse and has picked up on something going on in you that's giving that horse pause to, wait a minute, what what do I need to do here? Is it safe? Is it not safe? Um, what's happening? And it's very immediate feedback. Because horses, really, they're they're part of a herd. So they're always looking for, okay, I'm, I'm in this herd now with this client in this round pin, and who's my boss? Am I the boss or are you the boss kind of thing, right? Who's going to be the leader? Yeah, because they are inherently very vulnerable animals and in the wild in their herd they're herd animals and they actually are very interconnected and so yeah it's great if it's all horses but if it's not all horses they they <laughs> deal and relate to who they can because they know they're better in a herd than they are alone <laughs> I love it okay so that's just that's just some framework for those of you that have never heard about Equus coaching and Susan's been doing this for a long time but loves learning so tell us one about the buildup because you just got back from a three or four day in-person experience after having kind of an online experience building up to that yes this is a, a program that our the Institute the Coel Institute where I've been training offers for all different levels of uh, coaches from anywhere from someone taking the coaching program to someone who's a master facilitator, but it's a way they call it level up because it's a way to level up your skills. And what's really cool about it is different instructors teach areas of expertise that they've been kind of deep diving into, which are often related to, you know, much more integrated coaching techniques or therapeutic techniques that have been translated into coaching. And um, so the classes leading up to it are kind of related 
to eat one of those areas and taught by one of those instructors. And this year we also had someone come in who was, has not always been a, is not a, an Equus coach, but actually specializes in soulful selling, which is something that a lot of us as Equus coaches aren't that good at. <laughs> so it was actually a wonderful addition to the mix. And she was actually at our offsite. So actually really saw how her work can apply in working with horses. So excellent. So yeah. I think some of the areas you were, you mentioned that you covered are like attachment si- styles, uh, horses behavior, emotional agility, the whole brain living from Jill Bolte Taylor, yes. which you're going to find, we're going to have some episodes on that. And also this soulful selling piece. So what, what would you like to tell our listeners? Well, one, what I, what I really loved about the ex- experience was that here are these models that, you know, we're talking about on our podcast, in our work, but I'm really getting to be able to apply some of them directly in the work that I'm that I'm doing in my Equus work. Equus work. Like I'm, I was very curious how it was so fun to kind of work with the whole brain living aspect of it with the horses because horses, you know, are we wrestled in our class with, you know, horses definitely are more of a we animal than a me animal. They don't have egos and they don't have, which is sort of one side of Jill Bortis Taylor way of looking at the whole brain. But uh, the question for me was, you know, more character three or character four. And what I realized is, you know, inherently they are, you know, Jill Bortis Taylor's thinking character four because of their desire to be, they reserve their energy. But I also still think there's a lot of character three because watching <laughs> horses play is so fun. You can see that. And what was really neat for me is when I'm with the horses, I always think of like, I get attuned with them in my energy. And a lot of that energy for me is character three that comes out. So maybe that's why I'm so committed to them <laughs> the be, that being oh, also being character, character three. three. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I, but it was really fun to see how that information, which can seem kind of on the heady side, <laughs> the brain <laughs> can be translated into a very practical experience for people. And just to give you a little commercial, there'll be more. We have another podcast coming out, but Jill Bolte-Taylor, fabulous. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor really divides the brain up into the left and the right. And she has lots of science behind this. Character one is more get it done, making things happen. Character two is where we have all our trauma kind of story. It really remembers the past and it's like, you should be very, very afraid. Or, or out in the future. What's yeah. going to happen as yeah. we all talk the past. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's more our protector. Character three is like in the moment, sensual experiences, play, fun. And then character four is our connection to kind of source and higher power. And those are character one and two are on the left side and character four and three and four are on the right side. And there's much more about that. I'm just giving you a little thumbnail so you can follow what Susan's saying. So and if any of you are really tracking here, you can tell that, Car- that Chris <laughs> Marie has a strong character one and is very good at making sure that you guys have what you need. So you have a frame and an understanding of what I might be talking about. Well, that's my intention. <laughs> I may actually not be as good at defining it, which was actually one of the things that came up for me when I was working with the horses is, is actually because of that, I can get into the three and four with them, but it's also me coming into my character one and maybe even character two to be able to translate and watch and be a part of the support that's needed for someone in that coaching dynamic. Because I remember one client we had said to us, you know, I just, he, 
he he had a I think a good experience, but in his mind he was like those horses were supposed to be talking to me, you know, and <laughs> and uh, you know I just didn't get it. Like I kept waiting for them to talk to me, and it was like, okay, he this particular kind has a strong character one, yes. so it was no wonder he was waiting for the the direct message from the horse, even yeah. you know even though he had to laugh about that expectation. But then what I really got from that was how often sometimes in my kind of draw or immediacy into being in my, what can be my three and four, I may not always do as good a job at coming back and translating into the character one. And so that was something that was important. Yeah. And so actually just again, to anchor on my, uh, for our listeners, three and four meaning for you, how does that show up versus your one character? brain. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I have a lot of energy. You know, people often say to me, you're a force of nature. You have a, you know, a thirst for life. Is that three? And that would be more in the three, like the immediacy, the curiosity, jumping at, some, you know, let's go play. Let's, you know, be in the body, um, you know, uh, move. And and character four is more, I often have a mantra that I've been using lately about open-hearted, curious, wild woman wisdom. And I think of the open-hearted, I think is in character four. Mm -hmm. The wild woman wisdom, I think also the wild part may be in character three, the wisdom comes in character four. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's, and in our model, it's the me and the we, which are also the same references that she makes. And you you can't see her hands. So the me is character one and two, because that's all about how am I going to survive and go forward. And Character three and four are more the we because it's about connection, play, and even four is connected to something much, you know, connected to whatever you want to call universal source, God, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Yes, and even your character four, Susan. Tell me where I'm wrong, but you have at times, and this may be a little woo for some of you, but your invisible herd. Can you talk oh. a little bit about that? Oh yeah, I mean that was something that's always been present for me since I started to work with the horses. Not not the whole herd at that time, but yeah. but how that shows up sometimes is in music, which is very like not no one else is seeing the music, but I have often heard music with the horses and I really trust that music. And and as that has progressed in different ways, like it's you know, that's the woo part. That's probably more woo than you were even tending me to go. No, but- I wanted to actually say we, Susan, very early on, we have, cause we're in Montana, there's lots of ranches and we have a friend that we were just visiting, having wine. And she said, Oh, come look at my horses. And Susan, you were out there and you were like, I hear the music and there's two, two different distinct songs. when you were looking at one horse and uh, she said, Oh my God, I just found out she was pregnant. <laughs> The horse is pregnant. And oh, I thought, oh my gosh, that is so cool. <laughs> so, you know, things like, so I've, I've begun to trust that. Yeah. And when I'm working with people, sometimes I will hear the music from the horse. But what happens often is I'll also start to hear something from the person who's working, which actually I'm not talking about that to the person generally because mm-hmm. they're not hearing the same. But for me, it translate, it helps me translate that music into where there might be interruptions in that connectivity that I think is a natural part of who we are and what we're looking for. And it could be a disconnect from inside them or a disconnect to the world around them, which I think is I think we often cut off. Now I'm going to bring up a different topic, but I think it's really related, which is your crazy cracked warm and deep. Because I think, you know, you have a certain, and if you've listened to those podcasts, you you know your history, Susan. Your history really 
created a sense of crazy. And a lot of times people don't relate to that word, but if I think about crazy is when we're disowning parts of ourselves, trying to be perfect and, oh, you don't want to see how actually clumsy I am or ineffective. So I'm going to, I'm going to really try to be perfect. So I please you. And that disowning, that's just one version, that disowning of who I really am, which is more relaxed and creative, that is stuffed in a closet mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be stiff and perfect. That can make me crazy or you know, stiff and perfect, yeah. Which, you know, honestly, if you're stiff and perfect out in a round pen with the horse, it's usually not very helpful. Yeah. You know, I've watched many stiff and perfect people <laughs> go out there and they cannot figure out why the horse is not wanting to come and hang out with them or is poking at them or is actually even sometimes running wildly around the, and it's because it's like, you're not congruent, you yeah. know, you're trying to be stiff and perfect and there's something underneath that's much louder. You know, there's, there's one woman I was working with and, you know, it was like, she had been a lawyer, she'd done all sorts of things, but boy, she's magical when she gets in touch with her silly or her person. Silly. silly, you know, wow. her hips, her energy, you know, moving that differently. It's like a whole another person comes out. But you can imagine in the world she moved in and was in, that was like a part that she was like, I am not bringing that to work or anywhere. But the idea, you know, with the horses, that was something that just lit her up and lit the horses up when she was in it. And it was so fun to watch her like, may help you back at the ranch or away from the ranch back Back at at work back at the boardroom yes i she was actually somebody who came to find your mojo Mm -hmm. and the transformation over the course of those four days was so she was laughing she was so playful and Mm -hmm. you're right she did come so stiff and perfect and with her i think she would say this just with her little judgmental nose like oh my gosh well i think she thought i was whack a job the first time (laughs) she saw which i totally understand because i was having a moment with the chickens another whole story, which I think we've probably shared once, but yeah. we don't need to go through again. No. So the whole brain living was a wonderful part for me. And I actually got the chance to sort of translate that because I shared how I was working more with crazy, cracked, warm and deep. So I got to actually test some things that I've been doing because I often talk about, we talked about the crazy finding you're, you're crazy and, and, and owning these disenfranchised parts. But also the cracking is different ways of which you can open. And one of the ways that I talk about that you can use for cracking is gestalt. And I actually did some work with the horses, with and, the horses and, and coaching someone in that gestalt process oh, while, and it was really quite powerful. And also, you know, in that gestalt, a part, a disenfranchised part of her came up that she uh, worked with. And for those of you that don't know what gestalt is, that is like having a, we have these unfinished conversations with people that are just, we have them and we have them over and over in our mind, but this is a way to externalize and have your side and then have the other side of the conversation and the whole gestalt. And it could be a conversation. It could also be parts of your body. It could be all sorts of situations that again, it's about integrating and bringing yourself whole. Yes. So that was a a really cool opportunity as well. And some of the other parts of the program that were really that. So we also worked with emotional agility, 
Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm in my mind, these, these big words, agility. No, just kidding, agility, <laughs> you know. Um, but I love the idea. And this was something that uh, one of the instructors, Renee brought in, and she's been a therapist, a social worker, a coach a little bit. So I can really relate to her because of my own sort of background. And um, I loved how she was bringing in this idea of, you know, the, an event occurs, we have a reaction, and then there's an outcome. And often, you know, we don't really break that down into, okay, what actually happened? Mm -hmm. What was our reaction? And that reaction can be, we, you actually have to look at, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a thought process, but maybe it's an emotional process and really look at what were the emotions that came up. Maybe the thought is the first thing you come to, but what is underneath that and really we explored it through a lot of Brené Brown's 87 words of, I mean, I don't even like the 72 words, much less 87, but it is helpful. But when that, I think is when that event happens in our reaction, it becomes this package, this mushed package mm -hmm. that then we start to, we continue to, we make that truth. And then unconsciously we continue to rep replicate and respond or react, continue to react in unhealthy ways that aren't really serving us. So the mm -hmm. untangling of that and being the conscious observer and like, Oh, what is it that, how did this happen? And what do I want to keep? And what do I want to let go of? Right. And so much of that process can just be very, you're thinking it through, but what's beautiful about being out with the horses is you actually get the chance to try on. So let's uh, just a simple example is, you know, I want to get, maybe get a horse, uh, have a relationship, with the horse where we're moving. And, but every time I go to try to communicate that to the horse, the horse just looks at me <laughs> and I'm kind of, so the event is the horse is just staring at me and I'm doing some <laughs> waving your arms and <laughs> so whatever. And, um, and nothing's happening. So then, so then I start to, so then I can start to pay attention what, what was going on in me. And mm -hmm. I could try something different, like, oh, maybe I wasn't as clear about what I wanted. Like in my case, I did something. This was in, I was being coached and I did the same thing three times. And it was like, and it you didn't know, work. It didn't work. <laughs> and I had a great coach who pointed out to me, like, I've noticed you've now done that three times. Then <laughs> I and went, we went through that process of what was the event? What was your reaction? And I could now really got, oh, I wasn't clear in my body. I was stepping back from the horse. I wasn't actually, you know, giving a clear direction. For, and the horse was just looking at me like, what I don't know what you want. <laughs> and so I really got, oh, I've got to got. I need to get clear inside of me. So then I had the chance to do like little one degree shifts to try to see, could I communicate this better? Because I knew that I was having trouble getting behind the horse, which would have been helpful if I really wanted the horse to get my signal that I wanted to move. And when I started, I kind of teased that apart. It worked out great. I stopped focusing on the horse, started focusing on me. Oh, that is so powerful. You know, I think we 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 are so hard on ourselves as humans. Like I try it once and it didn't work. Oh my gosh, I suck. Or I try it three times. Okay, clearly I don't know how to do this. You know, that's okay. That's my style. I make myself wrong. Some people may say, "Oh, the horse. It, it's it's the problem is with the horse." Versus slowing it down. And I love what you said, Susan. I don't know if our listeners picked it up, but that one degree shift, like trying something a little bit different, not like all whole scale, I'm going to try, you know, it's just this little piece. I'm going to step forward instead of stepping back. 
And the other piece that came up in the same lesson that is so critical, because another part of our training piece was around attachment and different different pieces around attachment. There's a lot to that one. So I don't know if we'll unpack the whole thing. But okay. <laughs> for me, what I really get is a lot of times I'm I don't really like to have someone attached to me. Like even in a, you know, it's okay if they're negatively attached because then I'm kind of, but if there's a positive attachment, sometimes I forget to like acknowledge that or, and so why, why that was a big deal was there were these things happening with the horse where the horse was actually giving me some of what I wanted, but I was not giving the horse any acknowledgement. Mm. And so in my desire to kind of kind of keep communicating the message, I wasn't actually acknowledging when the horse was beginning to show the signs of positive positive. or, and even when I was even more kind of clear than the horse was doing exactly what I wanted, it was like, the horse is looking for you to acknowledge the relationship as well. And that can be as simple as just even walking up. Thank you. You know, whatever that looks like, but I realized I don't always do that. Like I forget that. And so it was, you know, very powerful. I think that's so true in like how we do, like parents do that with teenagers. <laughs> you know, you're like, you can't do this, can't do that. And you forget to say, oh, you did a really great job that you actually did the dishes or you brought your plates to the counter. Maybe it's a little mm. step. Same thing at work. We mm-hmm. just are focused on, and this is kind of, we get into a survival brain. So we're focused on what's not working and we forget to to give those little, again, w- noticing when somebody makes a one degree difference, a shift, something different to say, Hey, good job. Or that really made a difference to me because I had the information I needed in the beginning. So letting people know that they are making a positive impact. So it's very mm-hmm. transferable. So you could give me more positive feedback. <laughs> huh? <Wow>. Okay. <laughs> good to know. You're doing great. Thank you. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but, and the other thing, you know, around this attachment thing is you know, a lot of times that's a difficult thing for people to begin to look at some of their attachment issues because th- those are things that generally showed up in us from a very young age. Before we even had words, right, really. Right. And so a lot of times people talk to me about what's what are some of the difference between therapy and coaching. Well, in, in therapy, you might really do some inner child or deep work around the wounds. In, in coaching, a lot of times what happens the horse gives you a here and now experience where you can begin to have a, a felt sense of those 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 patterns show up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And you also have an opportunity to work in the here and now and kind of future focus around re, reworking some of those patterns. And it it's way less confrontive than I mm-hmm. think for someone to begin to see begin to, to, to look at that through that lens, then it might be in a, uh, in with other people, if you pointed it out, then yeah. you probably show up with other people too, but that would be really difficult. But with a horse, there's this, you know, the horse is pretty willing to kind of, it's non, it's pretty non-judgmental. It so is non-judgmental. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of those attachment styles are a secure attachment. If you had, you know, really good attachment, avoidant, I'm going to avoid the attachment or <laughs> ambivalent. So I feel anxious, you know, in the, in the process of attaching or disorganized. Ah. So those are some of the, and I can imagine again, those same attachment dynamics come up when you're leading a team or working oh, with your peers totally. or totally. in your family. And it's so, I think it really is hard for people in their adults, 
job orientation, even as a parent, much less as a business leader, to be willing to really look at, whoa, how am I creating a potentially dysfunctional or coping style here that may be feeding something that's not helping a secure attachment for the people who are working for me or for me even yeah. too. And um, it is, but again, I really love that in the horses, you, you get an experience in here and now as it is today. So then you can have a chance to kind of work with it in the moment and see. I think what you're saying is, you know, you can go to therapy and deal with this and it's going to be a deep dive, you, a gentler approach and a pretty accessible one to make significant shifts is with a horse here and now I am dealing with my, yeah, and a coach and and Susan or me, uh, you're dealing with the dynamic, but you can see it and feel it. And that's another thing about working the work I've done, Susan, when you've been coaching me in the round pin with a horse on any of these issues is it's such uh, a whole body, a whole, yeah, a whole system experience for me that is very, it penetrates my whole being, my what, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling in my body. And that visceral experience is so transferable when I'm in a boardroom with a alpha male, which is one of my, you know, triggers <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever comes up, it's a very powerful way to rewire my system and create new, new possibilities for me to respond differently. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, it's such, uh, I think it's, I've spent a lot of time and, you know, one of the things I love about the work I get to do up at Haven and different places I've worked over the years is it is about embodiment. It's about, but most people don't understand that word. No, because that's a, that's a concept versus a felt sense. sense. But, but when you're with the horses, I've seen people who talked about it and all of a sudden they get it Yeah, because they're like, oh, I actually, I get it. I just remember one guy we were working with and he, it was like, he was out there doing something it just was, you know, I kept asking him like, okay, what's going on? How's it going? He goes, this is not working. And the, you know, horse was not doing anything he wanted. And then I just started to encourage him like, okay, take a couple breaths, notice, you know, anything, do you notice anything in your body? And he started to pay a little more attention to that. And as soon as he did, he had such a different impact on the horse. And all of a sudden he got it. It was like, whoa, I see. When I'm here, you know, in here, and not so she's pointing to her body, (laughs) body, and not so focused. It's like all of a sudden, it's like um, this whole transmission happens. Yeah, it's like it's like this big broadcast occurs, and versus this little, it's like boom. (laughs) Yes, you know, and I, you know, I regularly find that for myself when I'm out with the horses. Am I like coming back to me? And making that way more important than getting all worried about whatever I think the horse may be thinking and just staying present here. And then I'm amazed at how well I can kind of develop. I worked with some horses this time that normally would have totally been challenging, very challenging for me, but I had amazingly powerful experiences with them and recognizing, oh, it's not, I'm afraid of them, but really it's just because I haven't shown up and I don't need to be afraid of them. If I take care of myself, I'll know what to do. That's so so true. I mean, we were working with a client, this is more in an intensive situation and she was having trouble with a pushy, stubborn chief 
another peer of hers because she's on the executive team. And so you brought in a horse that was pushy and stubborn. (laughs) And it was amazing. She couldn't move the horse, couldn't move the horse. Oh my gosh, I can't, you know, she's getting discouraged trying all these. And you did, you walked her back, what's happening inside. And you saw, I, I, you know, you saw her find it and, and the horse started to move. And then, you know, we were doing an offsite and she said, oh, I have to tell you, it's been working with him. <laughs> like <laughs> I have found it in my body. And it, you know, so it's like taking back her power inside of herself rather than trying to focus on changing that other being. Well, and often the way that will show up out in the round pen and how it showed up was she was actually getting in really close to that horse, which was actually not, and she, you know, she'd be like, but I'm in my body, I'm doing, and it's like, yeah, but you're way too close. So you're not really in your, you're just totally (laughs) over there, (laughs) over there. And versus you'd be surprised, come way back here and see if you don't get all caught up in his or the horse's stuff, yeah. if you can actually have more of an impact. And actually, when she was way back, she moved that horse almost immediately. She yeah. had a dynamic and a connection. I was like, imagine if this was where you worked with your, you know, peer. with your peer. And sure enough, that's when she was like, oh, yeah, because I'm I'm in my yeah in my sovereignty when here. She, I'm in myself. Because when yeah. she got too close, she disassociated yeah, and yeah. really didn't. Yeah. So, so the, the, I mean, the horses are just powerful teachers along with somebody that helps translate what's going on, which is what you do, Susan, so well. And I just also want to say all this knowledge is just stirred up the dust for us launching our Find Your Mojo on Montana, which for those of you that haven't heard of it, it's a four-day, three-night program here in Big Sky, Montana. And we are doing it this year, October 6th through the 9th, 2022. We usually do this once, maybe twice a year, but for sure is in October. And we would love to have you join us. We'll put links so that you can check it out. And it is, a again, we focus it on women. So if you're a guy listening to this, you can come for an intensive. So don't worry about that, a one-on-one time. But it, it's such a powerful to have a, a group of women leaders. If you're a woman leader, a manager, you've got a team of, let's say, five or more, and you're going through a transition. And that could be a promotion. It could be a job change. Maybe it's a divorce or a new project you're leading, anything like that, a move. It's a great way to help you digest and you don't have to be going through a transition, but it's a great way for you to digest and own your power in a real embodied way, which we are all for more women leaders. Yes. Owning their power. Anything else you want to say before we end this episode, Miss Susan Clark? No. Come join us. (laughs) Okay. Come to Montana. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Susan here. As a coach, a lot of my time is spent helping clients speak up in a direct and honest way in their relationships at home and at work. Chris Marie and I decided to create a speak up kit to help you do that for yourself. It's the best of our best work that we've gathered to help you. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc. Dot com forward slash S P E A K U P.